Uh, wishing to thank the more violent members of our listenership for helping us to reach 140 episodes. Welcome to Hunt Pod. Sam Kelly, which we'll get onto that introduction in just a second. Uh, welcome to the 140th episode of Hand of Pod. We're joined today by two very special guests, but first of all, I shall introduce the non-special people. Um, they are English Dam. Hello and welcome. Whose living room we record in this fine evening. Uh, Peter Quates. Hello. And Andres Bruckner. Hi. Those are the regulars. Um, now we have two, two wonderfully special guests. Uh, first of all, making his fifth or sixth probably appearance on Hand of Pod veteran uh, soon to be author of well you're already the author of it's just not been published yet have it, has it uh, I don't know what you're going to say well your book John we're, we're an Argentine football podcast it's not written yet it's, uh, it's 96,000 words in but it's not finished and it's a long way off being finished ok so it's, it'll be a very big book it might be out by Christmas if, if a miracle happens the, the bumper children's book of Argentine football history uh, Jonathan Wilson <laughs> hello and making his hand upon debut, a man who we've been trying to get on for three and a half years because he left Buenos Aires about two weeks before uh, we recorded our first ever episode. Welcome back to Buenos Aires after far too long away. Rupert Fryer. Thanks. Hi. It's an emotional day for everybody concerned. It certainly is. Uh, we are recording, of course, as ever, on the Doug Hart Memorial microphone. It's been a while since <laughs> I gave him a name check. So, Doug, thank you for paying for this wonderful piece of equipment. Didn't we hope you're continuing to enjoy the sound. No, he didn't die. Right. It's, just, it's just a name. Um, and we've got a real life... I'd like to think he'd like left his microphone to you in his will or something like that. <laughs> no, no. Would have been quite such. Who, who's Doug Hart? I don't know. The person he's, who died he's a California man who listens to Handpod. Oh, good. came down here for New Year and uh, insisted that he wanted to pay something towards the new microphone that I was planning to get, and gave me cash to pay for the entirety of this wonderful. Well, lovely piece man. Of recording. What a fine man. Still alive and kicking. Your thank you. Cheers. 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 Doug. Cheers, Doug. Cheers again, Doug. Um, we've got this week as well a real life. You can hear the paper rustling, uh, mm. running order, because there are so many of us in the studio, studio <laughs> uh, today, that, uh, that we don't want to get sidetracked. So, without further ado, we shall get on with the first. First of all, the uh, first thing to mention is, of course, the results and the standings and whatnot as they currently are, because we've had two rounds since we last recorded. Uh, I won't read all of them out, but the most eye-catching ones were that Tigre have managed to win twice in a row, and I think they drew in midweek, didn't they? Um, so they're unbeaten in three. They didn't play midweek. Of course, yeah, you're right. They, they won twice in a row. Um, they got the 2-0 one against All Boys last weekend, or last uh, Friday, in fact, a week ago today. Um, Estudiantes got two wins. Didn't, no, they didn't. They got a, a win and a draw away to Quilmes, and then at home to River Plate. Um, Argentinos beat Vélez Sarsfield which was a bit surprising especially given that Leonardo Piscolici wasn't on the pitch for Argentinos and they can't score without him but they managed to uh, Lanús absolutely twatted San Lorenzo 4-1 in the Nuevo Gasometro uh, this is all last weekend Newell's old boy has got a, an away win against Godoy Cruz which will get on to Newell's in a bit more depth later on because they've uh, been the ex- 
because they've undergone managerial change, as have Arsenal de Sarandi, who lost 2-0 to Gimnasia La Plata. Uh, River Plate got a 2-0 when he has started to go Rafaela before drawing with Estudiantes in La Plata, and Boca Juniors remain rubbish. Um, they drew 0-0 away to Colón, and then they drew 0-0 at home to San Lorenzo. Uh, Olimpo got a good win uh, in the midweek round. Quilmes beat Belles. Central beat Rafaela 3-2 away in a very entertaining match. Um, those are the main ones. Godoy Cruz got a 2-1 win away to Belgrano in Cordoba. And just last night, uh, Gimnasia La Plata, in a wonderfully rip-roaring, scintillating game of football, uh, got a 1-0 win away to Racing. We shall get on to that one later. But the first thing that we're going to discuss, um, following Quilmes' recent results is what a twat Caruso Lombardi is, because he's been at it again. Uh, they lost 3-1 at home to Estudiantes on Friday night, I think it was, after which Ricardo Caruso Lombardi resigned. He was no longer the manager of Quilmes Atletico Club. Um, the board refused to accept his resignation. They sat down and had a word with him, and the following day he turned up to take training as if nothing had happened. Um, so that's Carlos Lombardi being Carlos Lombardi. It worked because Kinless' next result was a 3-1 win away to Vélez Sarsfield. After making nine changes to the game. Yes, <laughs> after, after dropping loads of players. Um, following which, Carlos Lombardi's wife um, made clear that it was very much a family thing, this idea of being a bit of a twat. Although it seems to be that the Vélez Sarsfield vice president's wife was possibly being a bit more of an idiot because they got into a big argument. Uh, Julio Baldomar, the vice president of one of the vice presidents of Sarsfield. I haven't actually heard what this argument's about. I just heard that they started yelling at each other or something. Does anyone else know? No. I, I'm not sure if what we can say legally on that. Don't I, worry about it. <laughs> no, you say well. No, no, no I, from any Argentine football club listens to us. We're no, in a foreign I language. I had a tenuous report that she claimed to have been slapped by him. Mm. That yeah, that was in the mainstream press. I read. Oh, that was in the mainstream yeah, yeah. press. There you go. So that's what I read. Caruso Lombardi's wife claims to have been slapped by Baldomar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's part of the arguing process there's one thing that starts the argument indeed yeah, yeah no, but the funny thing about the story is they just completely skipped any detail of the argument and just went yeah, that's all I saw just went for the slap yeah. about the slap yeah. <laughs> uh, so there you go and so there seems to be uh, from what I read anyway it seems to be there's a lot of doubt about her testimony but possibly just because she's a Caruso Lombardi which is perhaps unfair to her <laughs> I don't know, the lady. She might be. Yes. I'm sure she's lovely, but if her judgment's bad yeah, enough yeah. to have married Ricardo Caruso Lombardi, I think there is that. But who knows? Um, but that, that's uh, one example of a manager who's <coughs> got into some, some something of hot water in the last week. Uh, the other, of course, because this weekend, I think as much out of sympathy as anything, Ramon Diaz decided that um, he wasn't going to allow Caruso Lombardi to be the biggest twat in Argentine football management of the weekend. Um, River got a two nil win what didn't they uh, at home against Atletico de Rafaela following which Ramon Diaz made the fantastic piece of good judgement <coughs> which was thanking Los Borrachos del Tablon um, River Plate's Barra Brava for the support that they give the team um, and for, for all of the other things they bring to the club and this upset basically everybody um, not a very intelligent thing to say right Andres I'm looking at you you're the River fan yeah you said that the his son Emiliano had something to do with Barra Bravas. Uh, they they had had uh, some talkings uh, in the summer, and then also said that uh, uh, he gave some money. Ramon Diaz gave some money to the Barras, and and, and so after that uh, there was a flag in the in the mm-hmm. crowd between the crowd uh, saying, uh, I don't know what exactly said the the flag, but 
El más ganador. The winningest. The biggest winningest winning. coach. Ah, yes, the biggest winner. For the benefit of our American listeners. With a big Ramondia face on it. And, and that's, that's suspicious. And, and yeah, a lot of people are saying that he actually paid for that uh, banner to go up. And, uh, yeah, yeah and, and as well as paying the money that one of the other conditions was yeah. saying this thing. And then, and then afterwards he comes out and says, no, well, I wanted to say the terrorists. And, and I just ended up saying Los Borrachos del Tablón accidentally. <laughs> right, okay, that's best yeah. Well, it would be completely in contrast with his behaviour at Oxford United, of course. <laughs> because our ultras... Most they went by the name the yellow, the yellow the ultras. Toys. I think they went by the name of. Yeah, most, terrified, oh, most of whom are about fifteen years old. I once saw them light a flare, but an old lady quickly told them to put it out, and they did. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he never pledged his support to them. Um, and speaking of Emiliano Diaz as well, if I can just bring Oxford back, he's a legend. Oxford United still. That's you, the worst you, you, Yeah, you will hear his name at every single game at some point during the terraces. He's as, he's nearly as bad as Emiliano Diaz. <laughs> I mean, apparently, it was like someone had won a competition to play football. I missed that game that day, but I'd watched him warming up. I watched him warming up for a season because he never got a kick well, for about eight weeks, nine weeks. And the day he came on, yeah, it was uh, apparently the worst anyone he's ever seen. It was like a fan had been plucked out of a crowd and asked to play. Uh, but he's a champion, is he not? Does he not have a championship winner's medal from somewhere with Ramon Diaz? Possibly. I think he might do. I can't imagine he ever played with the River, right? I can't imagine he would have got enough appearances. He didn't play for San Lorenzo, did he? Mm. Let's see what Wikipedia says about this. But um, I actually had a couple of emails. Well, I had a tweet and a couple of emails asking why this is such a bad thing to say. What's wrong with with giving the Barra Brava um, the, the, the benefit of, of the doubt, as it were, and saying thank you to them. Um, why? Why is it, Dan? Well, it's... These are the people, especially in River, like, they're in a pretty bloody civil war, and which has already taken the lives of quite a few people. They hold their regular shootouts and stuff. And also, they, you know, they take a hell of a lot of money out of the club, you know, you don't... You can't think that they're there for free. Obviously, like they're charging for the privilege of being in the river, um, the river terrace, and and, talking, and hitting the drums. You know, they control all the parking. Basically, like they make normal fans laugh and misery by making them pay God knows how much for uh, for parking around the stadium, for buying shirts around the ground, like all of that. You know, it's all a mafia, and everything's controlled by by those fine fellows. So it's basically yes, you know, legitimising their presence because right. They're a bunch of violent wankers who bleed the club, the club dry, bleed the fans dry, but at least they shout a bit and give some support, so it's all fine, really. Indeed. Um, Wikipedia, by the way, claims that uh, Emiliano Diaz has a Primera División title with River Plate yeah. from 2002. It doesn't say which one. He and, didn't get uh, one. I'm sure, was he not on the staff when San Lorenzo won 2000-something? No, he was still playing, then, because he actually won the B Nacional with All Boys in 2010 as well, apparently. Yeah. No, but was there not a later San Lorenzo one? He made no. that up. 2007, 8, 9, 7, <laughs> Maybe, who that knows? Would have been, that would have been after that last time. Yeah. Um, anyway, two managers making fools of themselves, and two have, have gone. Two of them have changed since we last recorded. Um, because last week we recorded on Wednesday evening. <coughs> Wait, who was recording with me last week? Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and, and someone else. Yeah, and Andres. Yeah, yes, and Santiago and. Cool. Oh, Santiago, of course, I got back to San Telmo in time to watch San Lorenzo uh, qualify from their Copa Libertadores group in nail biting fashion. We'll get onto the Libertadores a bit later, but the following evening, uh, Newell's Old Boys went out of it thanks to a 
3-1 defeat at home to Atletico Nacional of Colombia um, with Sherman what's his name Cardenas playing fantastically mm. for, for Atletico very good another um, football manager legend <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. Um, following which following which Alfredo Berti uh, resigned as Newell's old boys manager he's been replaced by for the moment by Ricardo Lunari who is the reserve team coach on an interim basis and slightly more surprisingly I find this one um, Arsenal de Sarandi had already qualified for the Libertadores knockout stage of course uh, they got a win against Peñarol I think to wrap the that sounds right, yeah. Something yes, that, that sounds well. And um, we've discussed before how Arsenal are putting all of their eggs in the Copa Libertadores <laughs> shaped basket um, and completely ignoring the league. And as a result, they're crap in the league. And no one really seemed to care. They, they didn't have any pressure. We were talking just last week with Santi about how the fans are realistic. The fans know they can't challenge on two fronts, and the Libertadores is the main thing. So it was a bit of a surprise when Gustavo Alfaro, uh, who was one of the longest serving managers in the Primera, possibly the longest, yeah, after Gareca went. Um, was did he leave? Was he kicked out? Was I think he, what I've heard about all of this is um, it was basically nothing to do with what happened on the pitch. Obviously, the league form didn't help, mm. and well, Alfaro was going to leave whatever yeah, exactly, the, the season. season but so. what really, um, you know, hastened his move towards the door, so to speak, is uh, he fell out with one of the Grandones. I see. The Julio, right? Is a uh, Julio Junior, Julito, who's, yeah. Julito, who's um, the president uh, of Arsenal. Yeah, he fell out with him, and yeah, after that, you don't really have much. I think that much recourse. Probably was that yes, he wanted to 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 see. He met with Julio Grandona, father, mm. and and that that's, that's the president of Afa. Yes, I'm sort of confused. Yes, and that didn't like. Uh, that wasn't something that like uh, Julito Grandona. That's it, yeah, he could try to go over his head yes. a bit and like like. Oh, I see. Like a bridge. And, yeah, and uh, he's been replaced now at Arsenal as from this coming weekend uh, by Martin Palermo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting appointment. In very interesting. Yeah. Assuming he's happy to be a yes man, it will be a, a relatively pressure-free job, I would think. As we're saying, Arsenal fans are realistic folk, and as long as yeah. he doesn't decide, but to he'll have a bit more spotlight than uh, at Gol de Cruz. He will. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he's he's only, back in the eye of the Buenos Aires media. He's about what 10, 15 kilometres south of La Boca as well. No, so no less. Much closer. Five, six kilometres. Right, actually, yeah. It's not far to... I think Sarandi and Kilmes mixed up. Yes. Um, yes, uh, so we should see how far that goes. But Arsenal, in the meantime, have qualified from the Libertadores, as have uh, the <coughs> other, well, four teams in total out of the, the five Argentine sides. Newell's were the only ones who went out, um, and we should get onto them in a short while. Is there no word on who's going to replace Verdi? Not well, they were talking about Bielsa, which would be yeah. hilarious and magnificent, but of course he's already agreed a job with uh, Marseille. Um, Martino, maybe? Come back? Mm. Yeah, if they can hang on to the end of the season with Lunari, I'm sure Martino <laughs> wouldn't say no. Um, it's, um, it's a real shame, I think, for Berti. I think yeah. it was like, mm. I think I once called him a Tata to Martino, to, uh, Tito to Tata's Pep. There you go. Tito to Tato's Tito to Tato's I'm glad you tried to say that after half a glass of yeah, Tito to Tato's No, but he did. He came in. He, I think he gave them continuity in yours, and, and obviously they played a certain way with with Martino, with Martino, and he kind of gave them an identity back. And Betty seemed to sort of continue that. Mm-hmm. And I think there was last season they played the uh, Rosario Clasico, I think, and they lost the they lost it to Central, yeah. and after that they were terrible for us because mm-hmm. they I thought yeah. they were going to win the league basically. Um, I think I wrote about them yeah. just before that game, I think we and, they, and they looked like they were well, well on course. Yeah. Yeah. The they, they lost the Clasico uh, Rosario to Central mm-hmm. away from home during the Inicial, yeah. and it was 15 yeah. matches before they. 
Yeah. Uh, before they, they won another game, of course they just lost it again sure. at home. Uh, one as much as yeah. a few weeks. And plus, there was all sorts of trouble. Didn't the president have his house firebombed or something like that? Or yes, yeah, he yes. did. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think it's a shame. I wonder if they had won that Clasico. No, I'm sure they would have gone on to win a league. I'm sure we league last last tournament. Yeah. Newell's players during, as, as we said, they actually won their first game under Lunari, uh, won the other way to Godoy Cruz, and then when was it? Uh, on Wednesday. Um, they lost one nil at home to Colón. Apparently, after the Colón goal went in, uh, there were the, the Barra was shouting about uh, you either win this game or, or you're, we're going to put bullets in your legs and stuff to the players. Which, particularly at Newell's, more so even than at most clubs, is quite a worrying. Definitely a serious threat. Yeah, they're relatively recent history. They were effectively a dictatorship um, under a, a sort of puppet president to the Barra Brava for about 15 years um, until yeah. three years ago or four years ago or so. Mm, no, just yeah. before I came first, so about five years ago. Um, 2010, I think, like yeah. around there. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, worrying stuff. But I guess now, given that we've, we've just talked about uh, Newell's recently former manager not doing brilliantly... It's a great excuse, particularly with two of you being based in Europe, to, to talk about Gerardo Martino um, a little bit and, and why it's not gone right for him at Barcelona. Um, if nothing else, because it might help our listener figures slightly, if we talk about football, people <laughs> actually get a toss about. Mr Wilson, you're the tactical genius. What should he have done that he's not done? Um, I think he's put in a very difficult position. That um, you know, People forget Barcelona won the league last year. You know, the the, the semi-final defeated Bayern... So, so overwhelmed that it was almost because they won the league so easily it was like it didn't count mm. they, people had forgotten about that by March and so that, that I mean the, the absolute cataclysmic hammering at the hands of Bayern sort of dominated everything and so what do they do to sort of lick their wounds they're like we'll go out and we'll buy Neymar which was almost like well Real Madrid are going to go and sign Bale so we want a big player of our own and I, just, I think Neymar for all his qualities just doesn't fit in that system and you've seen huge numbers of players Failed to fit in that Barcelona system. It's, very, it's, a, it's a very difficult system for outsiders to to you know, be assimilated into. So, Shigunski, uh, Chleb, mm. uh, Zlatan, yeah. all failed. David Villa took it. I mean, maybe didn't even quite become assimilated. Certainly, kind of very difficult. Maybe even Fabregas now. Fabregas, yeah. even though he grew up in in La Masia, those ten years away, he's. Struggle to fit in. Um, Alexis hasn't assimilated. There's no new player gone into that team in the last five years mm-hmm. and blossomed. And but they've got a they, new they, manager, right? Because Tito, obviously, as we know, came in from inside the club. Yeah, I mean, Martino Tito may, may well have worked if it hadn't been for the illness. I mean, that, yeah. that, that's the, the great unknown that that, that continuity mm-hmm. may actually have. I, you know, I don't think you judge his his reign as you would judge. No, of course. other circumstances, mm. but what, what happened is you know, you've seen you see the intensities dropped. Uh, they're not pressing as hard as they were. Now you can get away with playing two certain backs who can't head a ball if you're pressing out of the pitch, and if just the nature of your press and the nature of your control of possession means they don't have to defend essentially. But they're now having to defend, and you know, part of the idea of bringing in Martino was that he could teach them a new style they could play the you know, the plan A Barcelona way but they could also drop back as his power team had 
but you can't drop back with that defence because none of them can actually defend I think it's almost a shame he's probably well almost definitely isn't going to get a second season because the uh, in, in Alan Partridge <laughs> terms um, because one of the things that he wanted to do when he came in obviously went in quite late on in the summer transfer window and he wanted to get a centre back mm-hmm. and his own words towards the end of the transfer window were that he couldn't see any value in the in that part of the market at the time, yeah, I, mean, I don't so think he was going to try and make do with what he could. Signing Daniel Agger and David Luiz, yeah. I mean, they definitely sort of made approaches to both of them. I think Daniel Agger would have been the best of the choices for them because um, he could defend. Because he can defend, I mean, but you know, Mascherano's now you know being asked to do a job he can't do. It's, you know, it's, he, he's not a centre back if you're not going to press out the pitch. Mm. Um, so that's great, huge numbers. But I think playing Neymar creates issues because they, they, he, Neymar is a player who, although he, he in himself is quick, he plays slowly. Mm. Yeah, he, he wants to take on his defender. He's not going to play the rat attack quick passes that Barcelona are, are used to. If you then feel you need to play Fabregas in midfield, that means Iniesta playing up front. So you've mm-hmm. got a front three of, of Messi in the middle, Iniesta to the left, and Neymar to the right. So Messi drops back, wins the ball looks ahead of him to play the pass and he's got two players who aren't making runs for him they look much better when Pedro or, or Alexis plays mm. and you, you think of, of how Davi Villa used to make those diagonal runs in from the left flank and Messi was always finding him and that was you know, every time Messi got the ball he was looking for that pass and so the defence you know, is, is, is watching that ball and then Messi goes in the dribble you, you just don't have that threat anymore there's nothing going ahead of Messi which diminishes his effectiveness Um so the, the whole thing, uh, you know, there's tactical issues there, but also there just seems to be a, a loss of hunger. Xavi clearly is, is um, you know, over the, over the peak now. I'm not saying he doesn't have a role to play, but he's not quite the player he was two or three years ago. Plus, of course, losing Valdez just went. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and, and he is absolutely vital, not just mm-hmm. in terms of yeah. his qualities as a, as a, as a goalkeeper. Yeah. No, you can uh, see how he but, pushes, but, he just sends the but he, defenders he, up every time. He allows you to play with child pitch. Yeah, he, he, he's almost like a, a playmaker yeah. in our own box. Yeah. Without him, a lot of the rhythm's gone. Yeah. So, in, you know, Martino's sort of, he's reaped a pretty bad harvest sown by people who were there before him. And you've almost, you know, Everything about Barcelona, the, the lust has gone. Like, you know, the, the whole thing of no shirt sponsors and being this team with a great part of UNICEF, and now they're sponsored by Qatar Airways. Who, you know. <laughs> um, the the the, the name deal itself, that for some of us, Elvazine. Yeah, it's it's a deal that stinks at every level, and obviously that rubs off on the club. So this this idea of this sort of team with a who had a sense of their own moral responsibility and which sort of fed into the way they played that's gone it's just not there anymore and that's no, not Mart- Martino's fault no Martino's basically been unfortunate to well it's, it's one of those jobs you can't say no to it no it's like no. David Moyes saying over United you don't say no to it particularly but it's Mart- actually not a good job to take because mm. there's, there's no, nowhere to go you know it's, particularly mm. in Martino's position yeah. you could not believe it when he got that job no there's a fair few reports saying oh yeah it's not that much of a surprise it's not that much of a surprise that Tata got a job it was a huge surprise to everyone not yeah, least him I don't think he could believe his luck I couldn't believe my luck because I was over here and I had an interview with Yop lined up for the next day there you go. Oh, thanks very much cha-ching <laughs> <laughs> did anyone know about him really? No, well, no, no no I mean I mean okay people knew, knew him as the coach of Paraguay maybe 
but they, lugubrious yeah, Paraguay to come but they just think of Paraguay as being as, well, as they were an incredibly boring well drilled team yeah. the notion that he'd grown up under Bielsa and had Bielsa principles was, was totally alien to people mm-hmm. the notion that was a good fit for Barcelona statistically mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. Didn't, didn't really understand until they read my pieces <laughs> I'm mine I think we all did uh, Martinez Bielsa yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway uh, whilst Barcelona's uh, title hopes are perhaps all but over uh, in Spain not necessarily due to the distance between them and the leaders but due to how they're playing at present in the Argentine title race it's rather more um, tightly fought <laughs> Between Estudiantes... Because no one wants to win it. Then. No, well, absolutely. It's, it's, exactly. it's like tightly it's fought between 1st and 20th. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the thing. It's something I mentioned on Twitter last night, because while I was putting together my uh, previews for the weekend, I, I just realised it for the first time. Mathematically, Arsenal are not yet out of the title race. Well, yes, they are, bottom. because not every team above them can, can pick up new points. Yeah. No, so that's they true. Are, yeah, I suppose they've got to draw. But I take the point that they're, but, um, they're, they're, they're 14, 14, 14 points over the top with 15 to play for, yeah. Um, but certainly between so they can certainly push on to the Europa League. Certainly between first and 10th, Estudiantes and Colón both have 25. Olimpo at 10th, and they've got 19 points. And there are five matches to go. Who's going to win the title, guys? The question we get every week. No idea. Absolutely no idea. Estudiantes, Colón, 25 points. Gimnasia, La Plata and River Plate have 24. Rosario Central, Godoy Cruz, Lanús, San Lorenzo have 22. Vélez Sarsfield have 20. And as I say, Olimpo have got 19. I think we can probably rule out Boca, Newells on 17, Tigre, Belgrano on 16 and so on down. Um, but it's, it's quite a title race that's going on. Obviously, River Plate, as we've mentioned... Um, Ramon Diaz made a twat of himself off the pitch, but they've had some very good results recently. A win last weekend, followed by a draw away to Estudiantes, who simply don't lose at home. So from that point of view, although a lot of River fans were upset by not winning, um, (laughs) it was a creditable um, result. (laughs) from. (laughs) (laughs) Get my agent on the phone. What am I doing here? (laughs) Um, That's great. Do we look at the run-ins with five games to go? Do we look at who's going to do? No, it's not really. So we look at another week before They're all really mediocre. Yeah, because you're going to have to go through a lot of them because Lanús are waiting. Yeah, there's about 20 They win their game and I think they're top as well. Exactly, no. Estudiantes have actually only lost once. So from that point of view, you could say, oh no, they've done very well. But they've drawn seven of the other 13 matches. I'm not sure who will win it, but as a sort of a neutral onlooker, I really hope that Estudiantes do win it. Because... I did a couple of bits last pieces last time when Vedon retired, and um, they gave him <laughs> we'll this fat. This time. Yeah, I wonder a couple more this time too. And I'm obviously uh, a big just change the date, and you can see. Yeah, I'm a big Vedon fan. But they gave him this wonderful send off of fireworks yeah, yeah. and the witch, the witch flying, down flying around. And um, but more than anything, it's just depressing because they're all so crap. And they and they had begged him to stay. Like, if he, he was going to retire anyway, they begged him. Wouldn't you be really annoyed that you didn't get a nickname of your own? They just mm. gave you your dad's. Yeah. That would just be. I mean, he doesn't. It doesn't even look like a witch. Like, particularly when he's his, his dad looks incredibly like a witch. <laughs> dad looks incredibly <laughs> like a witch. Yeah. Particularly yeah. when he's you know these days he's recognised widely as the greatest player in the club's history. Of course, you know, no, he's the he's done, fans will tell you he's a better player. He's done a stands. huge amount for yeah, that. Yeah, club. And his, his dad did win. What, three, no, no, three yeah. Libertadores and Intercontinental title. Yeah. No, no, I'm not saying that, but a lot of Estudiantes modern day fans will tell you that Veron is Veron Junior. 
is the uh, the the more. Well, yeah, he's done a huge amount for that club and a, a huge amount off the field too. Probably mm. I mean, just as much off the field he's done. I mean, it's, it's pretty much down to him that they're in that stadium where and now. It's kind of a house that they're on built really. Because he, correct me if I'm wrong, he was the one off lobbying the local councils to get built planning permission and stuff like that. He did a huge amount. He put his loads. Not of that stadium is being built. No, right? but he put loads of money into into loads of his own money into refurbishing the training ground and yeah, stuff when he yeah. first came back. I think he's done that twice. In I fact. think he like he bought and, um, a load of apartments. I just think it would be. The so they're building another new stadium because that, that stadium used in Copa America was a new stadium, wasn't it? The stadium yeah. they used in the Copa America, which is the stadium that Estudiantes play at, is the municipal stadium in La Plata. Yeah. That's not Estudiantes. Okay. Are building their new stadium and they're playing their home game in the municipal stadium yeah. whilst the new one's being built. Okay, right. It was supposed that's to be open. Stadium, municipal stadium. Yes, it's, all, yeah, it's the one with the it's really bad really cold. Oh, Jesus. Well, it wasn't July, wasn't it? <laughs> and they don't know how to heat the press room. But uh, anyway. It's a tin box. This is amazing. <laughs> it was incredible. Uh, if anybody saw it, that's where the YouTube clip of, of uh, me as David Bowie on Brazilian television. <laughs> <laughs> Can you put a link of that up? That'll put yeah, a you must up. link that. Yeah. Sure yeah. I'll try to. Fair enough one, please. If I, if I can find it again, I'll try to. If you can find it again, I yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I'm a bit of an old romantic, really, particularly for players like Verona. I think it'd be lovely if they if they win a league for his send off, especially having come back as well. It'd be quite a story. Kicking a ball around on a Sunday afternoon in a local park for a year, and then come back. <laughs> it'd back. be quite a story if Colin nice. managed to win it as well. I want Kness yeah, to win perhaps. it. I must say, Crisis Club. Yeah, Four no, of course. Yeah, suddenly they jumped up. It would be quite a story. River won it as well. It'd be the first title since the return to the to the Primera. Basically, we can get a narrative out of bloody anything, so we don't particularly mm, care from the Pot's point of view. The narrative. No, I'm from my way behind Gymnasia or Gymnasia. Is he? No, never, you know. That's because Racing is friendly with them, though. Exactly. That's but why they beat yesterday. They haven't got a professional title, and like it's time for him to. Because they, 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 they should have had one in 1933. If I'm being cheated out, but fun about that. I thought it was going to be important. Why don't you tell us about that, John? Um, famous going in San Lorenzo when uh, there's a, a penalty awarded to San Lorenzo for foul outside the box. which San Lorenzo scored a couple of minutes later. Uh, the Inazi keeper made a save. The referee gave a goal, even though the ball hadn't crossed the line. So Inazi's response was just to sit down. San Lorenzo racked up seven, and then the referee decided to abandon it at that point. This is after very controversial refereeing in, in Bocca's favour the week before. So Himnazia having been top of the table at uh, the halfway point, ended up finishing fifth. And who won the title? San Lorenzo. San Lorenzo. That was the great uh, Himnazia team of uh, uh, Enrico Herschel. Um, More about him in your form. Man about him, I have certain exclusive stories. (laughs) Is this book just going to be a history of corrupt refereeing decisions in Argentine football, John? That would explain why it's going to be so. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's... it's, it's, One every month for the last 130 years. Now, I'm trying to avoid referees. I find referees quite dull, but um, in that instance, you can't really not mention it. Says the man who published a 6,000-word interview with an Argentine referee in a recent episode. Yeah, that's probably what swayed my thinking into (laughs) (laughs) That'll do it. (laughs) Soporific soporific content of my pieces is uh, beyond (laughs) compare. Um, That was the item on our running order, which said the title race, obviously, and the next item on the running order is the relegation race, obviously. Um, we've already mentioned one of the teams because it's Colón. They're still in the relegation race. They had a little bit of a period where they took a race win relegation for one. race. It's a race against relegation. Battle. It's a battle. It's a battle. It's a battle. Relegation fight. Dog fight. Relegation race. Colón have a little bit of a cushion now following. So could uh, Colón conceivably win the league and be relegated? Because no, they brilliant. can't. I thought. Um, that, I thought that they could. I'd love that happen um, just to kind of point out what a stupid system this but is but apparently it's uh, I didn't realise this until Joel corrected me on Twitter uh, the other day 
because uh, apparently the AFA, it looked like it might happen with Tigre mm. in 2009 or 2010 well, or something, and AFA clarified that if Tigre had managed to win the title and finished in the relegation zone, they wouldn't have been relegated. Well, but, but prior to was, the, neither happened. Prior to the last minute revision of rules from AFA, odd thing to happen, I can't remember that. <laughs> um, actually, Tigre, I had worked out that year, um, and Tigre, not only could they win a league and get relegated, but what they could have done was had a three-way playoff for the league title. This is like with two weeks to go. It's possible to have a three-way playoff for the league title, a playoff to see who ends up in, a, in the relegation playoffs, yeah. and then the relegation playoff too. So they could have oh, had... They could have like played four games. different eight games, four different sides in playoffs to, to try and claim <laughs> both the league and not to go, get to go down. Well, and people say the system is flawed. If the system's point is to generate matches to get more yeah. revenue... Yeah. Which yeah. certainly in the twenties that's what I did for more set up for. It's it's working perfectly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. After some very very bad performances, however, we do have three teams currently in the relegation zone. Not four as we did last week because Godoy Cruz uh, last week and Kilmes were uh, sorry Godoy Cruz and All Boys um, were tied on points, and we're going to have to play a playoff to decide who went down. Um, it's now just three: Argentinos Juniors at bottom of the relegation table. All boys are second bottom of the relegation table, and Kilmes a third bottom of the relegation table. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of an argument to suggest that any one of those three sides are not completely doomed, but having watched them recently, I'm struggling. There's e- a lot of other bad teams. Kilmes were well. against Vélez, weren't they? Yeah, even following that, but I mean, Vélez just didn't give a shit. Vélez are in the Libertadores knockout stages. They just didn't appear to care. Vélez have been throwing games domestically. All the way through the Donnell final, it's had a huge effect on the relegation race. It could have a big effect on the title race this weekend because they're away to River. Vela um, shipped two goals against Argentinos minus well, exactly. Gucci, which says exactly. something. The, the only people in 2014 to concede against an Argentinos side who don't have Leonardo Piscolici on the pitch, as I mention every week, he scored four and set up the other one of the five goals that Argentinos had scored <laughs> up to that point, and then Vela's managed to win two one to them, uh, lose two one to them. Sorry. Um, Again, I mean, Does anybody want to, to say someone can I, stay up? I think that Godoy Cruz and, and Colón deserve to stay in Primera División. I think Quilmes can still save themselves as well. I, I think that because of the play itself, I, I'm talking about mm. the play, how I think they play. Uh, Quilmes um, has Caruso Lombardi, mm. for me, it's done. Mm. Then uh, All Boys and, and, and Argentinian Juniors are, are. Argentinian Juniors is very bottom and, and they depend on. Almost exclusively on on Pisculici. If when he's not in the in the pitch, uh, uh, except the last game against Vélez, uh, they they are they don't uh, know what to do with the the ball or without it. So mm-hmm. it'd be a real shame if all boys and Argentinas go down this year. Because I don't know if you touched on this in other episodes or if this is a new a new piece of information for the Hand of Pod. But away fans will be returning for the new season, what? but. Only in Capital Federal, not in the province. I see. So, so if, if they go in Argentina, we lose two of the teams. Independiente, even, or Banfield. Are we yeah. going to restore the 30 then, minute waiting yeah. period? Do we know? If there's away fans, then yes. Uh, that was so fun. nice on Thursday when we had to walk out the ground. Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> but there is something rather lovely about when you're sitting there and half an hour, everyone's. And they're waiting, especially when they've won. They're not it's going anywhere. Yeah. And eventually, finally decide to leave. And everyone's like, oh, thank you, thank you. And everyone claps and gives them a nice cheer. There's also nothing better than going to an away game, winning, and just pissing off a whole stadium yeah. by staying. Exactly. <laughs> All good fun. It is great um, fun. I think we are not prepared to, to allow 
away fans to go to the stadium, nor the, the home crowd. No, it's <laughs> true, they <laughs> should just play behind the place. <laughs> yes. That's going to be what happens from the coming tournament. Yeah, Is that in Primera only or in the lower divisions as well? In the Primera, I think. Only Capital Federal. And, and I think in the interior as well. Speaking of changes to next season, by the way, the other thing was that uh, Arsenal, the Sarandi chairman, and who we've already mentioned once today, Julito Grandona, mm. um, was on a, a radio slash TV interview. There's a radio show here that's also televised on Fox Sports. It's a and he was giving an interview about the Palermo situation um, coming into manager Arsenal, but he also said that from next February, it could happen, not definitely going to happen, but we might have a Primero DBC on of 30 teams and an off-championship. Yeah. It was 58 Yes, again. Yeah, it's like the 50th time. We're going in the right direction. If I was looking at a league to, and, and thinking about how to revise a structure, what I'd do would be to look at the best leagues in the world and see how they do it. And do you know what? They all just play each other twice and then you have a champion after either 34 or 38 games. And there normally aren't 30 of them. No, there's normally normally between 16 and 20. That seems to work. Um, But anyway, we'll deal with that in more um, detail if it actually does come to pass, which it won't, obviously. Um, So we shall see. And now we're on to uh, the relegation race I think we've talked about. It's it's going to be that lot. The three who are there, I think. Can't see anyone else dropping down into it. I think you could probably argue Kilmes could make a fist of it and, yeah. and well, no, it's just because Kiloy Cruz are not yeah. like a, a great side <laughs> yeah. I'm not convinced no I think oh, I, I still don't want them to <laughs> and uh, I haven't looked at Cologne I'd say is still not safe uh, and last, last time I looked at it Rafaela, 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 10, Clear, I don't know. Tigre there or thereabouts no I think anyone down from Tigre could still find themselves sucked in with five games to go yeah, notably left out the team one position above Team Grey, who are only three points ahead of them on the table later. Yeah, but between Ulwais and Brassen, you've got ten points. Okay. I think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll see. 11, we'll see. Yeah. Um, anyway, the next... Uh, I'm not going out either. Like, Racing could still get sucked into this. They've got to play Quilmes, they've got to play Argentinas, they've got to play Goro Cruz. They got yeah, a if lot they, of. If they lost all three of those, it'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, fucking brilliant. Man. Uh, <laughs> the next item, um, I think now, in fact, we're going to play some music and uh, come back afterwards with recharge classes, and then we shall get on to Argentine teams in the Copa Libertadores. Just after I got to that music, English Dan started complaining that we weren't going to talk about racing. Yeah. And you're right, I did want to talk about racing because not one, not two, but three of the people present at this table went to them, uh, went to see them yesterday. At and least two, two of those people. Yeah. <laughs> two, two of those people uh, probably wish that they hadn't. Well, possibly all three of them I'm, wish they hadn't. I really yeah. wish I hadn't. You know. <laughs> two two of them were actually surprised by how bad it was. The rest of us, of course, knew how bad it was going to be, and that's Look, why we didn't I have been watching them, so I kind of knew what to expect, but I saw them twice this week. and... Um, the second time they were much worse than the first time. How much but, money did you um, spend on tickets to go and see racing this week? Uh, Dan, I, did I pay you back for the tickets? Yes, you did. Sir. Yes, yeah. the platea last night we paid 150 pesos. Yeah, 150. That's good. Yeah, and with you, I Not paid. Not really. You. It wasn't worth. <laughs> 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 they paid fine good. Really. Yeah. <laughs> 
But, um, less than a tenner to watch put him in a foot yeah so after 180 minutes of Racing anyway I think I come to the barometer of how good Racing are is basically the ball starts like up front on the left furthest away from the ball and the closer he gets to playing in central defence is how bad they are by the end of last yeah. night, the Paul was essentially playing as a centre half, just getting the ball and just trying to do something because nobody else was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. also, I was saying, um, sorry, sorry, Dan, I'll say to you, yeah. one thing is encouraging about the Paul being so young and 19, he does seem to be already taking responsibility for those around him because they're all so poor. And again, yesterday, like I said, he was playing centre half. He's the only one who offered him any type of penetration whatsoever. He normally scored, he nearly scored, uh, to use. Football phraseology a worldy too. Then he beat, right. beat three or four players. Yeah, me too. He beat three or four players and smashed one. But he's a hell of a player, and um, I doubt, and I doubt he'll be there after the World <laughs> Cup. They took off. Yeah, I think if Racing, you know, if you watch him, the only two players who really seem to have an idea of what they're doing, the only, you know, who can beat a man, who can cause a bit of danger, is uh, Vieto and De Paul. Vieto as well. I remember like just what you were saying about. They bought him going further and further back. Yeah. Happens with Vieto as well. I remember yeah. at one point when Gimnasio were attacking, he was in the own Racing's own six yard box. Mm. Like, <laughs> yeah, there was another. There's another moment yesterday where De Paul had the ball on the right and Vieto was in front of him and he looked back and all the rest of them were behind. Yeah, eight of them were behind him yeah. and he stood there with the ball and he was waving them forward saying, Come on. I've just I've just seen that performance a million mm-hmm. times from Sunderland. Kind of, yeah. you, you're kind of on top in the game. You have most of the ball, but you just don't have a quality of the score. You know, at some point, the opposition will yeah. will score. But then, yeah, but, well, they have one chance or you know, one chance or two or three chances. Yeah. They will score a goal eventually. And the only way you're going to score is getting a free kick, getting a corner, maybe getting a deflection in. Like, that was the only way we were going to score last night. And yeah. like in with Olympo as well. And then when when that goal goes in, just the sort of sound of sort of twenty five thousand people going. Yeah. Deflates, doesn't it? But, so, but not, not like anger, or not, not kind of. Mm, there's a lot of it's, 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 it's nothing unexpected, it's just sort of a. It's a resignation of acceptance. Yeah. Mm. No, there's a lot of anger, that's not Yeah, but the, the, the anger comes from the popularity. But, it's like, but the anger comes, it doesn't come immediately after yeah. the goal, is the point. It's just sort of this, this side Deflation, kind of. Deflation, yeah. Mm. Um, and uh, Rupert, as I said at the top of the show, we've been waiting for three and a half years to get you on, and it would. Be churlish of us to allow you of all people to come on here and not mention the uh, one towering name in the local league that we've not talked about so far on this episode because you've been to see him. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I can scratch. I've seen him a few times, but never in La Bombonera at Kelme, obviously. So I can scratch that off the bucket list. Um, in a classic, or less. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was kind of depressing actually. So <laughs> um, the game itself. But yeah, no. But, this um, was on Wednesday evening. It was a nil. Yeah, but I mean, this, yeah, yeah. I mean, as most of you know from the amount of stuff I write about him, he's he's pretty much my favourite player of all time, really. But is uh, he? Yeah. Nah. Yeah. But um, even some of the things he he just can't do anymore, and and for all all the other things he used to do, wonderful passes he used to play. I think the fundamentally great thing about him was he made the game easier for everybody else. His manipulation of space is almost unrivaled. Really, he was incredible. But now he can't even he can't even really do that because. Not only is he slow over ten yards, but he's really slow over two now. Just he just can't skip away from anybody. And he and when I saw him on Wednesday night, again he was just kind of everybody else was a bit rubbish. Um, he was he was berating some of his teammates, which he rarely does actually for all his his uh, personality flaws that you might have picked up on. Uh, it's something that he rarely does. <laughs> but there was one particular moment where Juan Forlin had just a simple ten yard header to him. And he headed it straight out of play, and he was furious. And um, yeah, it just kind of illustrated 
Bocca's current plate, really, I think. How much longer has he got? Pick Not Bocca, Riquelme. Depends if Angelisi gives him a new contract. Didn't he resign the last time I gave him a new contract? Angelisi resigned, didn't he, from the board the last time I gave him a new contract? <laughs> How old was so, he going um, 36? 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30. No, the, the treasurer, in fact, was the guy who resigned. Yeah, but was Angelisi not the treasurer, the treasurer at the time? No. No, it wasn't ever that. You sure? Yeah. yeah I can't I'm sure, sure Angelisi walked out of the boardroom when they agreed to give him a new contract. He might have walked out when he didn't resign. It was the, the guy, the, the treasurer, his name, I forget. Yeah. Um, yeah. resigned over the new contract and hasn't come back sure. to the club since sure um, but yeah Boca were, were, were pretty dreadful really actually and um, San Lorenzo too and I I think they would like uh, I watched the, the Cologne game too a few days before and both Cologne and San Lorenzo were just pretty cowardly really I mean at least Boca were rubbish but the other, those two I think were both quite cowardly I don't understand why teams don't just go at Boca because they're there for the taking really it's and they, it's yeah, Bocca. and there's yeah, the mystique of Bocca. Especially the Bobanier, they're like... They're yeah, but they, they, there's so much pressure. You can see how much pressure, how much pressure the players are on. There's a constant feeling of angst amongst them all. They're just anxious. They know they're going to disappoint everybody, basically. And I don't understand why. I would just go for them. I think they're there for the sake of it. Yeah, but, I mean, we see this every week when we seem to talk about if Bocca have won, we sort of seem to comment how they've won, but we're not very good at the same time. Yeah, and I, I think that, that's where it comes from. Is it? The yeah. other team, which is... Even worse. Perhaps you're right. But since Bianchi's come back, I, I just genuinely have no idea what their game plan is. I don't know what they're trying to do. Never know what they're trying to do. They just seem to... Uh, no, I don't know. Yeah, at least know. when Fazioni was there, it wasn't attractive, but you knew that you know they come out to defend to mm-hmm. the death and then they pump balls up, pump, pump. You they know, just seem to right kind there. of rely on individuals to to do something in one-on-one situations, but they're yeah. all performing so poorly that that's just not happening either. Yeah. Um, and now... As we promised you before the musical break, Argentine signs and the Libertadores. Four out of five, as we mentioned. Newell's the only ones who didn't qualify. Lanús, uh, Vélez Sarsfield, San Lorenzo and Arsenal de Sarandí are all in the knockout stages. In Arsenal's case, it's the first time ever. In San Lorenzo's case, it's very exciting because it's their chance for the first ever Copa Libertadores. They're not going to win it. Um, it was agonising enough getting out of the group stage right after we recorded last week, but obviously before the episode went online. Um, they uh, went through as a result of a 3-0 victory over Botafogo, compared, uh, combined with, in the other match being played in that group at the same time, in Chile, a 5-4 win for Independiente del Valle over Unión Española, who were the home side. Um, if Independiente del Valle had got a goal in stoppage time and won 6-4, it would have put San Lorenzo out. It was very amusing to watch uh, alongside a San Lorenzo fan in a cafe. Uh, whilst also exchanging text messages with Mariana, who was in Ushuaia, not at the game. Um, it's about the safest place to be, I think, in that kind of situation. Yes. Get indeed. to the end of the world and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've already had one of the knockout stage games played. Uh, this is why Lanús Tigre wasn't played in midweek. Uh, Lanús beat Santos Laguna of Mexico 2-1 in the first leg. Uh, there's some kind of Mexican championship uh, gubbins going on, and the dates for that are less flexible than the Argentine one. So for that reason, Santos had to play last week, uh, this week just that we're finishing now and have to play the second leg next week which is why San Lorenzo Tigre is postponed until the 30th of April Lanús Tigre uh, sorry yeah you're right Lanús Tigre San, San, Lanús. San Lorenzo Tigre one of the two um, Nacional de Paraguay are at home to Vélez Sarsfield this coming week in the first leg of their knockout stage game uh, Ty sorry San Lorenzo have got probably the toughest assignment they're at home in the first leg against Gremio 
Gremio conceded three goals. Mm. And the Brazilian yeah. sides aren't particularly weren't particularly strong coming into no. the tournament anyway. No. Which we saw, I think three teams went out in the group stages for the first time yeah, in the tournament's current carnation, which there are, there which are more Argentine sides than Brazilian sides, well than, than any other mm. nation in the in the knockout stage this year. Sure. But this, the, the competition's been in its current format since two thousand yeah. and it's the first time since then that more than two Brazilian sides were out by the end of the group stage. Yeah. But yeah, they weren't particularly strong going into it and so mm. we could have given no recent dominance is up for grabs really indeed um, the news were good on, on um, uh, Wednesday the news were very strange all through the Libertadores they played one excellent game and one shoddy game and then one well, good yeah. game and one they kind of did both on Wednesday night because the first yeah. half were really flat but five yeah. five first teams missing mm. um, but having gone behind I sort of thought when they went behind that, that was probably it that they just sort of fold but they didn't yeah. they came back and they, they went right to the end as well and they probably the deserve, they probably did deserve one. I mean the winner came three seconds to the end yeah. with five minutes of injury time but they'd had a couple of really good chances in ten minutes before that so yeah I was very impressed by them I thought they especially once Benitez had come off the bench I thought he gave them a bit of a bit more thrust down the right yeah um, the second leg obviously is a very very long trip for them they've got to go to Torreon in Mexico uh, in the middle of this week and there were six Mexican fans there um, <laughs> yeah. on uh, Wednesday. Uh, bless them. That's commitment. Well, well I, 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 they didn't yeah, really sure. look like people who were familiar with a football stadium, in fairness. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me at all if there were students who kind of just popped along. <laughs> but so, yeah. uh, the other tie is Arsenal de Sarandí against Unión Española. Arsenal, Santi's not here, but we talked to him last week about how delighted everybody at Arsenal is with their Copa Libertadores Ooh, um, six fans performing so they've been, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they've been magnificent and yeah, Unión Española they've got to I would have thought Arsenal are going to be as optimistic of getting a result mm, in that time Española are a tough team no, very tough team they showed it but in relatively stages relatively inexperienced as of course are Arsenal um, at this level who do we think of the Argentine side has got the best potential to go far Venice always Venice yes most favoured mm-hmm. by the seeding of course they finished they, yeah, they were the, they were the right best right. of the group winners which means they're top seeds yeah. um, I think that if they go through to the quarters they've got the winner of Atletico, uh, Atletico Mineiro's title so they could end up playing the holders in the quarterfinals which is tricky with Anelka Anelka's no, 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 not there Anelka's been told he can't play for them um, yeah, he, there was no, a... sorry no he's not been told they've been told they can't sign him because he didn't turn up to um to sign the contract in time. Oh, really the there, he no. went up to some Islamic conference. Yeah, yes, his right, his right. agent yeah. and brother turned up and they were looking for houses and inspecting the training ground and stuff and then he didn't turn up when he was supposed he was wearing to. a really, really offensive green and navy cardigan. Really? I mean, my man likes the cardigan but sure. not that one. <laughs> mm. um, so we're going for Vélez to go furthest. How far can San Lorenzo go? This is the big talking point because as we say, they've never won the Libertadores. They're the only one of the big five who are in um, in, in the Libertadores this year at all how far do you think they can go shall I try and look up the tree so we can see who they've got to play yeah. I'm not going to write off San Lorenzo because they're capable of playing decent football but they've got very good players I know um, Gautelucho is going to be back very soon yes it's going to be a massive really boost for them if he comes back you know we have to see Mind you, he was meant to come back about three weeks ago so yeah but you know, if he's in any sort of condition to play that's a big big uh, boost for them up front because he's probably the best striker in in the Argentine league, I reckon, mm. right now. Uh, Correa, they got Shalva, uh, Romagnoli, they got, you yeah. know, yeah. very, very strong team on paper. So if yeah, it can click on the day, then they, they can take on Gremi, I think. Even and minus Caltarucho, they have a lot of options up, yeah. up front. But well, Maldos and Blandi, as we said, at the very beginning of the 
the year uh, were likely to prove two of the best attacking signings of mm. the Argentine summer. Yeah, they haven't been and bad either. Yeah. Did, did, did you mention Otagosa? Ortigosa, of course. Ortigosa and Mercier did their team. Oh, yeah. he's, 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 he's great. He had an hour against Boca where he was the best player on the pitch by a country mile, to be honest. Yeah. I think it's not saying a lot for that game, but yeah. but he was he was he was fantastic. Eventually, those got, two are gonna be foaming at the mouth getting hold of the Brazilians. Eventually got tired like, they're gonna be sleeping, <laughs> punching, biting, uh, yeah. stamping, whatever. Your Tigosa case is strange because he has already said that he probably probably will leave San Lorenzo in June and, and he's constantly being sent off. Mm. But then oh, uh, please come to Racing or <laughs> We, we can't uh, deny his quality. Yeah. Don't have quality is the right word, but he's got No, he's a got hunger. quality. He was, the way he was put, passing the ball he's around. Got he hunger, got, so he's got yeah, hunger. he's really got hunger. <laughs> but no, he, he, was, he plays some fantastic, really smart passes against yeah. Bucca too. Mm. And one of the greatest penalty takers I've ever seen. Mm. And he's one in, in this championship, which, which we've said many, many, many times, is increasingly over the last decade has become harder and harder and harder to get any kind of consistency in. Ortigos has won two championships with yeah. two different clubs. <laughs> he's um, class. And of course he used to take penalties them. for a living too. He's actually yeah. take penalties for a living too, which is great. So, mm-hmm. Great story. Um, okay, Libertadores past the other now. Uh, we've got okay national team stuff. We've already mentioned Well, on the Libertadores too, I know it's an Argentine pod, but well done to the Bolivian sides. Oh, two yeah, of them this the, time. The strongest and Bolivar. First time more than one Bolivian side's ever made a knockout stage. Really? Yeah. There we go. Oh, well. so there you go. There and they both look like they might carry on too. Yeah. How are the strongest played? Yeah, the strongest one. Strongest one. 2 0 Defensor, maybe? Defensor Sporting, yeah. yeah. And Bolivar drew to. Two against Leon. Leon in Mexico. And the strongest have got Pablo Escobar, and regardless of his name. Ah, of course. But he's fantastic. Oh, I'm a huge fan of Escobar. So, yeah, great to see more of him. Indeed. We've, uh, so, it's, in total, it's four Argentines, three Brazilians, two Bolivians, two Mexicans, and then one each from Colombia, and Chile, two. and Uruguay. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the last 16. No Ecuadorians, no. Mm-hmm. No Ecuadorians, no Peruvians. Surprise, sure. surprise. Uh, <laughs> and no Venezuelans, again, surprise, surprise. Um, but more than usual from the smaller, in inverted commas, nations in South America. Mm-hmm. And the one from Uruguay is the one, you know, the minnow. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, neither Nacional nor Peñarol came through. So then they've got the round problems. So that's a whole different podcast, I think. Indeed. Yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Listen, listen to that. La Celeste podcast for that one, yeah. uh, if they're still going. I think they are. Um, Fernando Gago this week got injured. This is a major talking point because yes. it's national team, and this means that people might listen to us and pay attention. Um, and what I wanted Could to say is the top of the show. Then. <laughs> yeah. 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 If anyone's still listening now, then. no, no, no. The idea is that they have to listen to the whole lot before they get to the, the good stuff. It's the whole thing. Yeah. If they skip the yeah. whole thing and just go to Gaga, then it's fine. No, they still no this listen. means that they they should listen to this part of the podcast, right? Precisely, precisely. Yeah. I'm amazed he's only 28. He yeah. turned 28 last last month or the last week. Yeah, last yeah. week. He's, he's almost exactly two years younger than me. Um, yeah. It's quite. Bizarre. You're 30. I turned 30. <laughs> I turned 32 weeks ago. You, you just don't act it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, John. Um, yeah, but I, I was, was, I was sort of startled. Uh, I just want to say, first of all, sorry, to, to explain for listeners who aren't aware of why we're discussing him, uh, Fernando Gago picked up a meniscus or cruciate ligament injury or something, which is going to keep him out for 60 days. I heard th- 45 knee sprain. Last I saw it's a great two, it's a great two strain with a lesion. There you go. If you've read Hoggy Batista's report, mm-hmm. right, which was fantastically detailed, 
It'll be in a splint 15 days and 45 days rehab, which would obtain oh, into one day after the start of the World Cup. Yes. The national team doctors reckon he's three days before 15 days of rehab. Game. Sorry, 30 days of rehab rather than 45. So we shall see. But he's, vi- he's been vital for Argentina's strategy. Mm. What I wanted to ask was, him being injured, is it actually bad news for Boca or for Argentina? Or is it I don't think it's bad news for Boca. Because he's been rubbish for Boca. Yeah. Yeah, but, but he, he has been good good for Argentina. Yes, yeah. I, think. He, they, I think he's been excellent for Argentina. It's hugely important for them as well. It's a much bigger blow for Argentina because, he's, as well, like the thing with Gago is, there's no real natural replacement. He does that role in the team like better than anyone it's else. It's a difficult like. role as well. It's, it's a really difficult, difficult role. He has to defend and he has to attack. Well, it's the first pass. That's what he does. He's the first pass to the He makes the first pass, and not only that, but he's the one responsible for getting the ball to Messi, and not just for what he's been doing over the qualification period. Not just getting a ball to Messi, but getting a ball to Messi on the front foot. Yeah, yeah. and Messi's on the front as well. Changing and he's got uh, space. The, the most natural replacement would be Eber Banega, who's also not playing very well at the moment for Newell's. He's not yeah. been in the team, he's been injured and busy. And I like Banega. Banega doesn't give you this, like, the same projection, he hasn't got no, exactly. the same range of I'm saying he'd be the most natural replacement. Yeah. But he's or not as naturally aggressive either, is he? He's very the most natural replacement. Banega's a very talented player, but you wouldn't trust him. You wouldn't trust him to refill your car. Without pouring petrol, you you wouldn't leave him alone with the Wi Fi on the (laughs) microphone. There are many, many reasons to laugh at Eva Banega, and if you want to Google, <laughs> if you want to Google Eva Banega car or Eva Banega, actually, yeah. I would recommend if you're if you're listening to this at work, do not Google Eva Banega webcam because um, it will probably get you fired. Don't. When but I you eyes, but there's, there's also, I think, the fact that he was part of the, the Gago. We talk, I'm going back to talk about yeah. the fact he was part of that 2005 World Youth Cup winning team yeah. with Zabaleta and Messi and Aguero, uh, and there's one other as well, isn't it? Last year, that no. The sound you can hear is a tumbleweed blowing across the living room. Um, well, uh, Romero was there, wasn't it? Or was that no, it was Starry was in goal then. Uh, that was 2007, Romero was there, I think. Um, but anyway. Yeah, let's okay, yeah. maybe. Chill. There's, 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 there's that core yeah. of, of players from that team. Yeah. Okay, no. Not that Lamezzi is quite as key <laughs> as the others, of course. No, no, but I just think in terms of the harmony of the squad, which is key and important thing for Sabadell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and Messi getting his own way and getting his own mates so. Definitely. If Gago's not fit and if Banega's considered not good enough, the most likely replacement to me appears to be, and I'm not necessarily saying the best replacement, but the most likely given what we've seen from Sabella's Argentina so far would be Lucas Biglia, would it not? Yeah. And then you've got the other players, you know, Samoso, who's around there. I don't disagree with any of that, but is Enzo Perez nowhere near the squad? He might be. He's a favourite of Samoso. If Gago doesn't make the squad, Perez might make it into the squad, but I'm I'm, I'm talking about the most likely replacement in the starting 11. I think Big Lear would make it into the starting 11, and Perez would be the. Fine, I just find it weird that given what a good season Perez has had, that he. Yeah. He doesn't even seem to have been spoken of. Plus, he's an Estudiantes old boy, of course. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, this right is the thing. thing regardless of how good he is, if he gets called up, everyone in Argentina is just going to go, he's just being called up because he's a Estudiantes. It's never stopped the medal before. Yeah, yeah but it's, it's, he's leaving after the World Cup. And if, he, you know, if he wins it, everything's <coughs> forgiven. If he doesn't win it, nothing's forgiven anyway. So yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you, you can't start picking your team on what people are going to say about you. No, and I, I, I genuinely don't understand. I kind of do actually understand, but it's inevitable that national team coaches are going to pick players they know. Mm. Of course they are. Yeah, yeah well, seems, I don't have a problem with that. No, it seems. Why would you not pick a player yeah, you know, seems perfectly you know works under your system? Yeah, particularly when they're players who aren't necessarily going to be in your eleven, because you know them. I mean, when you, for any tournament, it's for players who, who don't play are really, really just as important for the most part, especially for the harmony of the squad. <coughs> you've got a bunch of guys. If you got exactly, you've got a bunch of guys who you, you could rely on, who you know are going to 
behave themselves and comfortably sit on the bench and, and be part of the group. It's hugely important. Or you've got Carlos Tevez. That's something I, I, I did with Roy Hodgson before Christmas, and mm-hmm. he was saying the biggest mistake he made when he took Switzerland to the World Cup in '94 was that I can't remember the name of the player. There was a forward who'd sort of regularly been in the squad, he scored a few goals, and he got an injury and was just about fit enough when the World Cup came around again. And he left him out because he felt he had to have the best and second best player in each position. Mm. And he realised that by doing that, by leaving that player out, even if he might never not play, might not have been fit to play. By, by not taking on the score he destroyed the, the harmony of the group and the, actually the second best player in each position in certain cases is demanding to play all the time he's just thinking of, I've got to get the team whereas a player who's been with the squad for a long time has a great sense of the, you know, the squad as a, as a unit I think it's safe to say that Alejandro Sabella may or may not make mistakes with his uh, picking of Argentina's World Cup squad but that's one mistake he's definitely not going to make yeah. given well not with Tebel We've got through our running order. We've already done the laughing at Racing, which was the last bit uh, on the running order, which means that I'm going to play a bit more music and we'll come back and we will see whether any of you have asked some questions good enough to be considered. Which means whether any of you have asked some questions because we never leave one unanswered. Makes a lot. Makes a lot. This makes a lot, yeah. That's how it works in the real world, Sam. Russo-Mano, who says, what are the top five leagues in North and South America in terms of football quality? I think that might be a better question to aim at people who actually watch more than one or two of them. Um, I think uh, I could put you together a top five, but I wouldn't be entirely sure I had a station in between that. you got Brazil, Mexico. Brazil, Mexico. I think the MLS is up there now. You reckon? Yeah, they've got got some very good players. It's all right, actually, MLS these days. Yes. yeah, I'd say Brazil, Mexico, US, Argentina, and we'd say Boli- Bolivia from what we see. <laughs> no, maybe Colombia. Like, I'd say, mm. yeah. Be- Colombia is, might not be the best, but it's always competitive. But it depends what you mean by best as well. I mean, it's do you mean true. the best as in they produce teams that win a little bit of doors? Yeah. Or do you mean the best as in best as in they produce the best big players, attendances, good football, yeah. competitive league? Mm. I mean, Argentina scores on competitiveness very, very highly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah. On quality, um, perhaps yeah. a bit well, less. Well, it's quality. Well, it's still come through. Yeah. As well, on I mean. English language podcasts covering it. Oh, it's, 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 uh, it's up there. Yeah. But I'd say, yeah, the top five would be around. But I'd go as far as to say, in terms of, if you take a ratio of crowd size to quality of league, Argentina is street teller anywhere in the world. Mm. It's preposterous <laughs> so many people watch Argentinian football because it's terrible. Massive crowds watching shit football. Yeah, <laughs> in, in terrible conditions. <laughs> yeah, it's not comfortable then to a And then, especially well, when the away fans come back and you have to hang around for half an hour afterwards. I don't know whether you saw, John, but the weekend of the last, uh, not, none of the most recent Super Classico, but of the one in, during the Inicial, um, it was the fifth or sixth most attended match in world football. And that in itself, given how much of a good game it was, says something. But the most attended one, or the second most attended behind Bayern against Dortmund... Was it what you mean that, that, that week or that, that season? No, that week. Right. Was a... Oh, no, I'm thinking of uh, last year, in fact. Was uh, Tacheres against San Jorge, when Tacheres 
um, confirmed their promotion to the Argentine second division with a win over San Jorge. In other words, it's a third division game. It was played in the municipal stadium, mm. the Mario Kempes Stadium in Cordoba, and it had 77,000 people there. That's a good stadium, yeah. Um, and that got more people than Madrid against Barcelona actually, that same weekend. But one time I've been there, Mario Kempes was sitting a row behind me. Yeah. I remember yeah. it's a whole place name for you but <laughs> <laughs> what are the chances of that what going to <laughs> yeah I remember that game I think I think it was before Argentina Argentina played one game there right mm. Argentina Costa Rica that was one game, game they I won. saw there maybe it was yeah Argentina Costa Rica yeah because they played in La Plata Santa Fe they didn't win and then oh, I definitely saw both of those won. games yeah was maybe. it was it Argentina Costa Rica maybe it was yeah and I saw Kempes there as well yeah he was being mobbed by Cameras. That's I think you have the right to do if you're in your stadium with your name. Did they? Yeah. Uh, well, Chilean football, by the way, is, is yeah, Chilean. That, uh, Chilean. is one that's worth watching, and yeah. particularly post sort of 2010, post the whole Bielsa San Paulo thing. Yeah. Laul, yeah, I think um, Chile it seems to be one of the few leagues uh, sort of around South America that actually seems to be getting a bit better. Now. But right now, Laul and the reigning champions. Well, the reigning champions when they went out, Laul since I think it's Laul won the championship last week. Sure, they? sorry, I was talking about in terms of a spectator to, to, to stick on. Like if you, if you never watch Chilean so. football anymore, you yeah. stick on a classic. Plus, I've, like, I remember um, I was in Mendoza a couple of weeks ago and talking to a fanatic of um, Colo Colo because uh, obviously Mendoza, Chile is basically the same thing. And he was saying that um, there in Chile, like they've really cut down on the barra. That's like an example of how to do it. I think they can't even go into the stadiums anymore, mm. which he says has impacted a bit on the atmosphere. Like it's a bit flatter, but it's it's the start. Though. It's a price worth paying, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Scott Munro asks. Well, lots of people say no, obviously. And I think Scott's a swimmer. Yeah, a lot of people we really need no. to hear from him. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Monroe, we do need to, maybe he has to question, as a regular listener. Hi Scott. How, how dare you question. No, I'm sure he's a lovely man, he seems really nice. He says, team. he says, do you think that Ricardo Centurion will return to Racing after his horror loan spell at Genoa? He was a young hotshot once upon a time, wasn't he? Old? He was fantastic, but Racing was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Is he going to come back? No, Dan. That's a very nice pun, by the way. Yeah, there you go. Thanks, Ah, there you go. <laughs> um, well, apparently Genoa never paid even for his loan. <laughs> so we're definitely back sort of, well you say that but you don't know what's going to happen they probably say right we're going to buy him and then sell him straight away mm. and Racing still wouldn't end up with a penny god knows what so I'm not taking anything for advantage apparently his agent has also said that he doesn't want to go back to Racing and the race looks like he has something to yes, say on this won't Racing have to lead against or, or struggle against Boca in order to, to get Centurion he would say that no, Boca really? Boca the it was like a rumor. Like, it's kind of a or, shame he didn't sign for Boca when Blandick was playing there, wasn't it? But if you if you, you have really yeah. if Boca has real intention of, of Beatrice, signing Centurion, yeah. yeah. If, if Boca has, has real intention of singing Centurion, uh, Racing has nothing to do. I think because uh, no, because no, Genoa only took him online. Yeah, yeah. They got not because he was supposed to go where? He hasn't done anything. Angie was he going before that? Yeah, Angie. Yeah. 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 And then he got injured. In, right? Into yeah, Ferrari, and then Angie oh, yeah, basically left the medical. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. They discovered some ankles. Yeah, I think that one piece of business, that one player signing, just pretty much sums up what's gone wrong with Rassi. It's <laughs> complete. I, I think that if it's just complete shit in the in the ballroom, and that's filtered down to the manager. They do pitch. produce a decent player that can make some money off. They can't sell him for actual money. Yeah, they just basically. never find a way of you know. They got a player who you know they're talking about selling for five six million euros, which you know in the world of football is fairly cheap. I pay that much to Paul, and they can't do it. Like you know, if something goes wrong in the negotiations. Something, you know, they haven't even got money for Gio still. 
Like they still owe money from China. But then they own about only about twenty percent of his resignation anyway. Mm. Thirty-three point five percent. But they haven't got money for sure. sure. But but, but, but again, sure, of course. But then again, they never really had money to buy him in the first place, did they? So no. But who knows? But if a wrestling supporter has the option of choosing a a player to come back, could be Centurion or Farinha. Milito, Centurion. Milito, well, yes. Yeah, Milito apparently is. You'd rather have Milito, right? In Centurion? No, I'd rather have Centurion. Really? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Anyway, what, a 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid full of yeah. fire like he wants to go to Europe yeah, it against a 36-year-old limp who <laughs> can't even walk anymore. Well, well, you could say that of Tresiger or Riquelme. And Camaranesi, who was... Camaranesi. Oh, yeah. we didn't talk about Camaranesi. Well, so many fun. players in this league. Sansach. Uh, Simon Leary asks why the sudden appearance of several Spanish players in the Copa Libertadores they're not playing for Argentine sides of course they're, we've got uh, as we mentioned last week Juanmi Cachejón for Bolívar and uh, Danny Guisa for Cerro Porteño uh, that's two I can't and remember and Fran Merida for Anatomy of Paranense who of course was with Arsenal and Bolívar has another one the short answer yeah. is money well, look, I, try, think that, yeah. I think the short answer would actually just be the they're, just tra- they're just travelling footballers. Danny Greetham was he was in Malaysia, was he, last year? Yeah. For a bunch of money. Something went wrong For there. The same I club think. that Pablo Aymar's Yeah, something went wrong there, so he's just jet setting around. And his career started quite late, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I don't think he made his Spain debut since he was about 28, 29. We actually mentioned kind on last week's Sander Pod how Callejon, sorry, Callejon um, and uh, Guisa are the joint all-time mm. highest European goal scorers in Copa Libertadores yeah. history yeah, yeah. with three yeah. goals each and this is David Tresiger of course now can't add to his yeah, time and, too and Fran Marida, Marida as well he's kind of bounced around hasn't he after not really breaking through at Arsenal and Alex Cabanones have got a Spanish coach too mm. so. um, the answer more than anything though is obviously money yeah. the, the two guys at Bolivar are there oh. because the Bolivar's head Money man is the guy who was trying to get David Beckham to sign for them uh, in January and play the Copa Libertadores, <coughs> which would have been hilarious, especially if they got drawn against an Argentine side. Um, it would have been brilliant, and he's supposedly the guy who's putting in the money for Beckham to open this uh, MLS franchise that Beckham's looking into. So, although they're a Bolivian side, and initially you look at South America and think there's no money whatsoever. There are one or two clubs, no in Brazil uh, as well, as money who've got very wealthy backers. Of course, yeah, I mean no, sure. Spanish-speaking South American sides who tend I... to think are much less wealthy, but clearly Bolivar at the moment uh, are more hampered by their location, let's say, and, and the league they're playing in, than by their financial backing. And I think that's as much as anything. It can't be much there. fun going to play in La Paz. Training every day, though. No. I think I, I could do yeah, no. Until we get used to it, then it must Make be a lot of fun. Stupidly fit. I mean, yeah, yeah, it must be a lot of fun. The thing of the comeback was worse than your career. Yeah, yeah, Go back to Europe afterwards at the age yeah. of 45 and you're running around like a 30 year old. So. Uh, it's, I like to compare it to Spanish coaches called Portugal, by the way, just to refuse mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. even more. That's yeah. how yeah. 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 we're always going to coach is Portuguese, isn't he? Yeah. It is a shame they've not still got, oh God, the Lothar Mateus. Because mm. he, 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 he was managing them. He for went like, to Paranaense. Pardon? Paranaense. No, no, I led to Paranaense. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah it's really he bizarre. Was bizarre. Terrace, it was a bizarre. Bizarre. <laughs> I mean, he, he's been a bad coach <laughs> in more countries than almost anybody else <laughs> in history. And, he's and, a terrible did, and did he not have a Brazilian wife at the time? Hmm. Or Brazilian wife? He's had more bad wives. Yes. Bad marriages, sorry, not bad wives. No, I think that's why he ended up there in the first place. It was very short lived, if I remember correctly. It happened the opposite with Racing. He was going to come and be the Racing coach after Caruso. And his wife told him that he wasn't going to come to Argentina. So that's why he didn't take on the Racing job. And we had Claudio Vivas. 
My great memory of Mateus as a manager uh, was when he was manager of uh, Partizan uh, in Belgrade and they played Newcastle in the UEFA Cup, I think it must have been. And at the press conference, he sort of made reference to two Newcastle players who were suspended as if they were going to play. And one of the journalists kind of, you know, it was a bit of a sort of nervous shuffling around going, should we, should we say something about that? As a decided to just go over to the end. He said, you do know those two players aren't playing. Do you want us to change the names in the quote? So he said, what do you mean they're not playing? I've got my scouting report here. And he'd been completely stitched up by his own scouts. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying they want them out, but they want them out. <laughs> That's nice. Uh, Luis Bessone asks, if Joel Richards was a barra brava jefe, what would his nickname be? <laughs> the jaw. Yeah, the jaw. Undoubtedly the jaw. Yeah. It's extraordinary, that jaw. Yeah. I'm so glad he's back in front of a camera. It's such a waste to have that jaw, <laughs> yeah. that jaw behind I mean, the camera. Side. Basically, you could you could stick him on the front of a, like an American train like Nine Century, <laughs> and he'd do a job. Yeah, for sure. As a well, cattle catcher thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear other people taking the piss out of it, other than me. Well, like, if, if, oh, no, if, if, if it snowed, if you get if you get snow drifts, just grab his ankles. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. I like to go on record saying I admire it. I on, admire on, it. I don't know. I'm not knocking it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great job. Sure. On, 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 the, on the Meet the Team page of the Hand of Pod blog, Joel uh, took absolutely bloody ages to send me a photograph, so I just uploaded one of David Coulthard instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Within two days. Not so much Joel as Joel. Joel. If you will. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. fair enough. Very good. <laughs> Joel. Not that good. Uh, I've said that. Can you cut that out? <laughs> Luis also asks one for John uh, re Newell's old boys is Pochette underutilising Ignacio Scocco and will uh, Vergini survive and stay on with the Black Cats well you've got to be slightly careful what I say here Um, so you draw your own conclusions from what I'm about to say Uh, Scocco hadn't played since being in November because he was an international he hadn't played since the end of the Brazilian season Um, my understanding is there was certain resistance within the club to signing a player who would take you know six eight weeks to get fit, mm. and they they were happy to sign him, but they didn't see any point signing him in January. They thought it was a waste <laughs> of wages, and it would be destabilising people like Jesse Altador and Stephen Fletcher and um, Connor Wickham. Jesse Altador, who's clearly one of the best strikers ever to play well, the Premier. But yeah, but Altador, to be fair to Altador, he he played very well in January in the games against Newcastle and Fulham. Uh, didn't score on them, but he has linked players very good. He, he won a hilarious penalty at Fulham in the world's, <laughs> the world's slowest step-overs, which somehow induced for the send-off to kick him in the, in the, in the waist. Which he, he, rather than just falling over, he needs to sort of leap up and dive over send-off's leg. You know, it, 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 it's, it's the funniest penalty I've seen this season. Um, I mean, it was, you even heard Fulham fans laughing at him. I mean, there was 3-1 down at the time, it didn't really matter. But anyway. Back to Scocker. So, so why, why did he sign? And why, why, why bring him in? I think you might have to like to look at what happened with Scocco and his agent shortly after he joined Sunderland, and I think that might possibly offer some clues. I see. Um, and Vergini? And, and, and so Scocco basically hasn't been fit, and when he has played, he's looked pretty hopeless, probably because he isn't, isn't fit. Vergini yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, played very well against Southampton in the FA Cup, and he's been absolutely abysmal in every game since. The game Southampton, I don't We actually got a tweet about that match. It was his debut, wasn't it? I or think it was certainly his first start. I don't think he come off the about bench how before, good he'd been. And, uh, yeah, well, he, I mean, Southampton. I don't know why, because Southampton were clearly safe from relegation. They sent a complete second string side. Looked like he didn't care about the cup, and he was able to just sort of stroll about the back, pinging 40, 50 yard passes. 
and every sort of thing. That's brilliant. Which is what he was starting to do, probably. And, and then the defender we knew he was. Yeah, and then, then the, I think his next game was away at Arsenal, and he gave away a goal. Oh, yeah, he right. gave yeah, away yeah, a goal in like, the second or third minute, and he, he's just been shocking ever since. He actually he played it right back against City on Wednesday because Barthes was suspended, and I presume with Barthes being suspended for Saturday's game against Chelsea. That Virginia will play again at right back. It's a baptism of fire. And he, he looked he looked all right at right back. He looked better at right back than he looked in the middle. Um, I, I guess what he does is he, he gives them the option of playing three at the back, which they did very well away to Liverpool and very badly at West Ham and away at Tottenham. Mm. Um, so my, my my suspicion is if, if Pochette stays, um, he will stay, and I think in the Championship he will be a very good player. Um, if Pochette goes which I think is likelier than it's more likely he'll go than he'll stay of, of his own volition I think the club are quite happy to keep him mm. um, that I don't think the new manager would, would keep him why would you want a, a fancy Argentine who can't defend <laughs> yeah, it's just not it's not a Sunderland <laughs> thing it's not a, thing, not a championship thing it doesn't help you mm. no, no it uh, and the final question for the day was is from Daniel Chavez who asks which of Colón's young players has the best shot at going places Gabriel Graciano surely see si. yeah it's got to be Graciano clarissimo <laughs> everyone's in agreement with that so it is Gabriel Graciano uh, the next... fact that one didn't jump to my head straight away so it's like ah Graciano yeah, yeah. Graciano the next piece of music you hear is Mystic Sounds theme tune you'll hear my predictions and then we're going away to eat something uh, right predictions for this coming weekend uh, Rosario Central on Saturday this is the game that either will be underway or will have already been played by the time this conference goes online <laughs> Um, are at home to Estudiantes de la Plata and it's going to be a draw. No! So where's the music yes. too, by the way? Pardon? The music is in magic. We, we don't play the music over loudspeakers while it's not recording. Magic in post-production. This is a professional setup, bro. Yeah. It's, it's, it's basically CGI. It doesn't sound not the mic, but it's just sound like I give you like a Indian voice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, QMS versus Olimpo is also going to be a draw. There are going to be a lot of draws this week, that's decided. Ten draw. San Lorenzo versus Newells is a draw. No, it's a home win, surely. It should be, but I think San Lorenzo are going to be distracted because they've got the first round of Elib- the first leg of the Libertadores um, on Wednesday, I think it is. Uh, Colón against Belgrano is a home victory for the Santa Fe side. Arsenal de Sarandí against Lanús is an away win because Arsenal are shit and Lanús are very good. Uh, Argentino Juniors against Racing. They're both bloody awful. Just don't watch that game. Uh, it's a draw. Uh, River Plate versus Vélez Southfield is a home win. Tigre versus Boca Juniors is a draw. Fucking hell, how many draws have I got for? Uh, Godoy Cruz versus Atletico Rafaela is a Godoy Cruz victory. And Gimnasia y Rima La Plata against All Boys has got, surely, to be a home win. I think Gimnasio have won five in a row and all boys have not won a single game in like seven matches or something. They've got one point in the So the title will be between Gimnasio and Bolón. You're saying that? Yes. With River a point behind, yeah. Yeah. And Tudian's drawing, yeah. Sorry, no. Colón on 28, River and Gimnasio on 27 yeah. if, if all those results go wrong. Yeah, that's a good prediction. 
The River prediction. The River prediction was to, that they will beat Vélez Sarsfield at home. Yeah. River have won all of their matches at home this season, apart from the 2-1 defeat against Godoy Cruz in like early March or something. Um, Vélez just don't give a toss about the league, so no. I think it's difficult to suggest anything else. Um, Anyway, does anyone really very strongly agree or disagree with any of those? Apart from San Lorenzo and Newell's? There's a lot of draws there. There are a lot of draws, aren't there? There are a lot of draws. Whenever I go for no draws at all, there are always lots of draws in the weekend. And when I go for lots of draws, there are inevitably none at all. So there's Um, not going to be any draws this week? No. Sod's law. It'll be really entertaining. Sod's law, that is. Nothing else. Well, exactly. You keep getting the predictions wrong. Argentinos Racing is going to... It could end up 5-4 with 9 hilarious defensive errors or it could, it could be 5-0 like Argentina it could be 5-0 Racing it could be 2-0 it could be anything or it could be the most boring 0-0 any, anyone's ever seen my money's on the most boring 0-0 and you can apply that to the rest of the games it's the same no game oh no sure Racing games in general but I mean Argentinos as well but we were in some crackers recently maybe Estudiantes Estudiantes Vélez somehow I was embarrassed the Estudiantes game wasn't even that it wasn't that great until the last 15 minutes. No, it was, it was a fun game. Um, you can't say three was not a good game. Yeah, but three of the goals, like I say, three of the goals came in the last 15 minutes. And three didn't. Anyway, uh, th- this was Hand of Pod episode 140. We hope you can join us again next week for 141, which will be in four or five days' time, probably, because of course this is going online on <coughs> Saturday. Um, thank you very much indeed to Mr. Wilson. Very much, thanks for having me. Uh, thank you to Peter. Thank you. Thank you to Anne Maris. You're welcome. Thank you to English Dan for the living room as well as the voice. Thank you very much. And thank you very much to special guest and debutante really? at last, Rupert Fryer. Oh, and thank you to former Hand of Potter legend Cecilia for taking me to breakfast this morning as well. Indeed. <laughs> typically Argentine time of after 11 o'clock. Um, on what basis do you call her a former Hand of Potter legend? Was she not on here once? I don't believe so. No, get her on. Future. I, I, have, yeah, future I have suggested it. Get her on. Future I, I tried to get her on when Independiente went down last season. She told me all about Crystal Lombardi this morning. She went into detail about the history for River Plate Barra. She knows a lot. Get her on. Yeah. New heist, do you say? I assure you, I know exactly how much Ceci knows about Argentine. Mm-hmm. Get her on. Um, we shall see. And uh, finally, goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>